Of course, yeah, I want I want a new audience. I'm trying to um, cater to um, my white gaze, even though, you know, some maybe in some points of Down South anywhere, there's a huge division um, in the culture of black and white gay men. I want to cross over and, and try to be the Todrick Hall of, of Ratchet YouTube. All right, this is Chris Busby Podcast, where we actually interview the innovative, the daring, and the bold, providing informative topics for the black LGBT. And I'm actually sitting here uh, going in a phone interview with Mr. Lester Matthews, who is also known as Nunu. Uh, this mm-hmm. is a, the, the film director, the writer, the producer, the editor, who's actually well known for some of the shows that most people see online, uh, such as The Commute, The Circle NYC. Uh, a short film recently came out not that long ago called Keeping Love a Secret, uh, including The Gay Bachelor. So he's just everywhere, even sex tales. He's just everywhere right now, producing a lot of great content that a lot of people mm-hmm. are really finding to be of interest. How you doing, Lester? I am great and blessed. I'm feeling good. I'm healthy and getting hot. I can't <laughs> wait for that. <laughs> getting hot. <laughs> yes, I'm in New York. We've been waiting for the uh, for the summer for a long time, so I'm excited. For the oh, so it's kind of cold up there right now. Uh, it, it was. Okay. I think, yeah, but we're ready. I'm here for it. All right, all right. Well, down in Florida, you know, I'm not complaining one bit. Yes. <laughs> Even when it's humid, I'm not complaining one bit. Right. Yeah. You know, I wanted to have you on the show for a couple of reasons because I one, I do watch exactly some of the things that you've actually been doing. You've been doing a lot of great things. I think. Of touching a lot of things, a lot of people within these, particularly the Black LGBT community, and your shows have been one after another. That is actually very interesting, and I, I want to find kind of show people your journey, uh, starting from where you started from, because you've been doing this for quite some time. You're yeah. kind of a veteran of this this whole thing here. Uh, so I want to want to kind of start from the very beginning in terms of how did you even get started. Uh, even social media or films, or how did you even get started this whole process? Well, I started blogging. Wow, I guess this will be the tenth anniversary for me being on YouTube. I started in like 2008. Wow, uh, around we had these Scotts and we had uh, the early on Chris Crocker and the early on days when we had um the when YouTube first started. Yes, and I was like, well, I don't see anyone online or I don't see anyone on television like me. You know, that's, that's a, that was a void for like masculine or just regular, I hate saying that word, but regular gay men. Right. You, you, you never see on television or reality shows. So I wanted to showcase that. And not saying that my life is all masculine stuff, but I didn't see anyone that I could relate to online. Gotcha. And I just started to just upload videos on YouTube, just talking about coming out story and just blogging about different experiences. And um, it it went from there, you know. I started traveling and uh, just had this this urge for just talk shows and reality shows and all these ideas that came to me. And I just started to create on my own. Gotcha. Going on ten years now. Yeah. Ten years. That, you're pretty much considered a, a you know. Uh, somebody said something. I believe uh, Samson McCormick. He actually said something uh, pertaining to some of his. Uh, you know, mentors who've actually uh, been mentoring him. He says something. Once you hit the ten year mark, you know exactly. It's almost like a light bulb that goes off. Mm. Is that something that you say? Yes, 
uh, I've grown mentally, physically, emotionally, went through a lot of shit in the last 10 years. I think it did prepare me and prepare me of what I, what I want to do. I transitioning from blogging to directing and writing. And I never know, I never thought it would be this hard, but writing, oh my God, I respect writers. <laughs> Further script writing, you know, you know, I just came out with my own, my second short film, Keeping Love a Secret. And I, I give all props to all the writers and directors out there, but I'm not, I think right now in my life, I'm 32 years old and I really know what I want to do and I, I can feel it. It's, 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 it's within reach. Right. I just need to. I just need Tyler Perry or Lee Daniels to hit me up. <laughs> <In the corner. laughs> well, so writing was, so being the fact that you were a blogger, uh, writing for scripted shows, was that something that came natural or just came as like a, wait a minute, this is a different, a whole new game of writing that I never came across? Script writing is, is something totally new to me. Um, I've just been docu-series and I've been going off people's thoughts and, you know, reality shows and that capture real and not real and unscripted situations. But now I, I, be, I became the person that I want to control my own destiny and I want to produce what I want to say. Right. And, um, you know, so I started just writing and I, I came out with, two years ago, came out with my first short film called The Commute. And um, it, it just, it just went from there. I just fell in love with writing and um, just gained a whole new respect for the whole industry in that way. Now, you've interviewed also a lot of people, a lot of celebrities you've also interviewed as well. Uh, during yeah. this blogging session, uh, you started seeing the, the traction that you started to, to build and the respect you started to build during your blogging. What was it that about your blogging that really pulled people in? See, the whole celebrity interview phase, that was something um, for us. For me, because I didn't really, I don't really care about celebrities. I don't talk about celebrities because I have my whole life. I have my whole life, and they don't really care. It's so I'm I'm a Virgo, and I'm so focused. And I don't know. I think sitting in front camera with no shade to the bloggers who do it, but I could be doing something else and talking about celebrities. I'm looking at longevity, and if I if I create or do an interview or do Anything have to do with celebrity, that's just gonna, you know, that's just gonna be good for a day or two. And people are not gonna watch that videos again. So what I've done, I've created a content where people can look at it and go back in a year from now or five years from now and looking back at it again. And, and it, it brings a whole brand new perspective. Instead of watching, you know, Lou Ivy's birth that happened five years ago right. and the people don't even care about it. So, when actually the opportunity to produce your own shows, how that come about? Well, I've just really been on my grind on Google looking for free studios. <laughs> and, you know, I've been looking for free access channels. I don't think really people, I guess this would be important to the viewers. You can actually go in your local city and there are free, there are public free places where you can go. And they will give you, uh, if you're a resident of their county, they'll give you the studio, they give you the equipment, you will, they'll encourage you to be creative. So what I've done, I, I would just search for all these studios in New York or wherever, how, how many cities I lived at in the past, and 
I'll just be able to take advantage of free equipment and, and just try to, you know, work from there. Wow, I never knew that. I never knew that. Yeah, so, so. it's called public SS. A uh, public SX. SS, SS, like SS Hollywood. Excess, excess. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like, it's, well, then see, like you just taught me something. I didn't even know that it even existed. Mm-hmm. So when it came down to getting started, <laughs> did you already mm-hmm. have things already rolled out or ready before you even came there, or when you got there, you were like, "Oh man, I'm here now. Now I got to yeah. really start creating something." <laughs> <laughs> right. I think, uh, I'm like a, uh, you know, gay people, we have this midlife crisis. It comes like in the mid thirties or I don't know. It comes in the, after you hit your twenties, so I party, I, I did all this partying. Uh-huh. What's next? I should be, <laughs> be able to, 30 years old, I should be able to know what I want to do in life and stuff like that. And right. I hit my 30 mark, um, before I moved, um, moved from LA. And when I moved to LA, I realized that LA wasn't for me. You know, it was just so superficial. And I was like, I moved to LA. I pay all this money moving here. So what I'm going to do? So that was a turning point in my life when I realized that, okay, LA wasn't for me. And I moved to New York. So when I moved to New York, instead of working with all these different people, totally different for, for building a team, a production team and an acting team and trying to build a project. People moved to New York for to be to be discovered, to be famous, right. to be to want to work with the largest production companies. Well, when I moved to New York, people are willing to work with you with their belief in your vision, your belief in your project. Right. Wow. So that was a turning point in my life when I realized I could work with talented people who are not people for sure, yeah. who who are willing to put the work for it. And um, I don't know if that answered your question, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, well, I mean, how was that search though? To, to, was it easier to find in New York than any other place? Well, lucky me, <laughs> I built a name for myself from YouTube, so people already were seeing my work already, and it was like, oh, oh, yeah, he could do it. If he did that, he could do it again. So, um, lucky me, I, I began YouTube early on when everybody thought it was like, oh, dang, that's you know, space. But I was lucky enough to at least build those subscribers and and have that uh that viewership and the audience and you know and the word of mouth. You know what? Now YouTube. A lot of people look at YouTube. Even I looked at YouTube as to say, okay, well, that is kind of the next step because YouTube has definitely been for a lot of people the saving grace. You know, <laughs> basically, because mm-hmm. people if people don't see you visually. Is not going to really pop off for you as exactly what you want it to be until people start seeing and recognizing who's talking, what's going on, etc. So, has the situation being the fact that you are an early YouTuber has it changed, or is kind of the same in the atmosphere of YouTube? Hmm. I can say it's a little much easier, uh, but it is the same. But the revenue is have changed. For the better or for the worse? Boy, you have to do something really crazy. You got to put a, you got to wear a wig, I feel like, these days to to get recognized. A man in a wig on YouTube or Instagram to get recognition. Usually back in the days, it's all, you know, it's talking and your experience stuff, but time has totally changed. Now, you know, it's all about entertainment. It's all about the gimmick. And there's nothing wrong with that. Because people a lot nowadays, I know Quay, uh, 
I know a lot of, I don't know, it's crazy. I know a lot of people in the industry and I really don't even talk about it, but there's so many people who, who, who does that and make, and make it, uh, a living out of it. But it's different now from the original YouTubers because at least we still have that core audience. Yeah. But at the same time, gaining new people, we have to be bonkers. We have to go all out or, you know, it's, it's gonna, um, YouTube career will be dead. Now, has that affected how you also do your shows in terms of knowing what YouTube really needs that gimmick? Has that really affected how you go about things? Um, no, uh, but I've seen for as being more real. And I think that when people, when my, when people see what my friends see, I think that, um, my audience sees the same way. I'm, I'm down to earth. I'm real. I'm very fair, especially on my own, my reality series. I'm the producer of it and I edit it myself. But I do also make sure that it's fair and I do also make sure that everyone still have their point of views and stuff like that, um, for as a, for the reality show. And I try to incorporate other shows as well. Um, I think a lot of YouTubers just stick to what they, they plan it safe and, and they stick to what they know. Right. And I think what's different about me, um, I, I'm, I wanted to create my own network for people who, for people who want to learn and people who just want to be entertained. For it's like the reality show, um, the Circle NYC, which is we're filming on um, season three right now, and um, Sex Tales, a talk show for men, um, and other, other shows that I have as well. So I try to do more in getting people involved. And being very interactive with my channel. Yeah, you know, definitely keeping it real. I want to definitely touch on that part, but also touch on the reality TV part. Uh, in terms of keeping it real, I've definitely seen, at least for me, when I've seen you on uh, Circle NYC, you've definitely been forthcoming about your career, how some of the mistakes that you've also been a part of mm -hmm. and what really mean to be. Um, do you find that something that, that your audience really appreciates? Um, appreciate me uh, going back on things, things I said in the past. Well, being completely forthcoming and honest about some of the things that maybe the mistakes you've actually done and maybe you should done, look at it in reflection, should have done a different way, or in terms of, you know what, this is a lesson I learned, I won't be able to do it again. You know, have you found that the audience really find them clo coming closer to you because of that? Um, I, I think so. I think, um, so many people in the past and... <laughs> Almost every time I go out, you know, or even randomly in Times Square, believe it or not, people stop me and say they watch me growing up. And um, and I think that just me being personal and me talking about different personal situations, relationships, maybe you know that that that's a uh, that's definitely a, a reason for people to, I guess, look at me in in a, in a, a, a bigger brother light or someone who I guess. So many people come to me and say, I, I feel like I've known you forever, you know? <laughs> but I guess that's the way of me just being myself. And I think, I think people are comfortable or cool with that. Okay. Now, in the creation aspect, because so far, like you said, The Commute was your first short film. How'd that come about? Uh, it was really nice. It was, uh, it was nice. Uh, I, um, it's actually on YouTube right now. Um, the Commute is on my channel. And it's doing good. People still commenting. People still talking about it. It's, it's a really good story. Um, it talks about every other, every situation. I wanted my first, first short film, or first 
film in general to not want to focus on LGBT, you know, situations. I incorporate um, a lot of situations, uh, trans uh, situations that uh, that they go through, and uh, a mother being, you know, who's leaving her child for want to be famous. I incorporate every single stereotype. <laughs> in this movie, and I wanted to, and I honestly wanted my family to see it. Um, growing up in New Orleans, very homophobic, and I know my family is still not today, you know, receptive, receptive to um, the choices I've made for as my sexuality and being open about it. And and there's some parts I have to skip within the community for my family to see, but I wanted, I wanted, some, I want everyone to see it, you know, and um. And that was the whole reason for it. Just wanted to be open for everyone and crossover. You know, I also noticed we come down to the reality TV portion of it. Going back since 2009, it seems that you definitely had a, an affinity for reality TV. You filmed your things in kind of a reality <laughs> silly setting. You've been, you've kind of been a true fan of reality TV. What is it about reality TV that really kind of says, you know what, this is the direction I want to go? It's just something about the realness of reality TV. My reality uh, theory is not scripted, but I fell in love with just the production. It's cute and whatever to have someone cussing each other out, but if you don't know what they're saying, and if you don't have the, if they're not mic'd up and they don't have the audio, it would be the quality will go down. So I just study the production side of reality shows, the editing and oh, you know, this different the subtitles that I enjoy watching the production and giving my critique. You know, that's I don't know, that's that's how I am. I just love the production side. Um when I film my reality show, I I give the point of what we need to talk about and maybe what we need to discuss. But I don't wear headphones. I make sure the audio is good. But isn't that crazy? I don't wear headphones. I focus on the production, and I focus on the angles, which is weird. And then I I listen, and I go home and watch the tape, and I was like, oh, they were talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Then I put everything together, and and I tell them to mention it in their confessionals. But I just I just fell in love with the production. You know, what about the production? Because I, sometimes when you look at reality TV, you think of it yourself, at least from a list of uh, uh, viewer standpoint, they follow this camera about around this particular person or people around, and they're recording absolutely everything that they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, you know, it's definitely not, you know, shooting it from different angles <laughs> or, mm-hmm. or checking about the lighting. It's just full on camera, you're on, that's it. And so how much more difficult does that become or how much more uh, 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 exhausting in terms of trimming it down oh, to God. give that story for the audience to really get it? It's, uh, it's a challenge, especially if you like a one-man team. It's, <laughs> okay. it's, a, very, it's a challenge for me um, financially and um, and technically because there's so many times again, well, season two, perfect. well, over the years, I, I could definitely say I, I definitely learned a lot from season to season, for but definitely season two, um, halfway mid through the season, um, all the footage I, I filmed ninety six scenes for season two. Yep. Half of the half of 
half of uh half half of the scene, forty scenes was deleted off what? my hard drive. Oh wow. Yeah. And I didn't I, I thought I backed it up but I didn't. So it took me seventy two of pain and agony and crying and and just guilt. And then I finally um you know, paid something to to get it revived. But that's the most part about it is just the fact of losing everything and just learning from that. Um, but, you know, thank the guy, you know, season two success. Um, but what I have learned from production is 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 just backing up stuff. That's the most important um thing about production is backing up making sure you have two copies. Gotcha. Because I'm, I'm looking at reality, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't know, because I really don't know if reality TV, it, well, correction, let me just say that again. I, I think reality TV, especially when you look at uh, Women of Housewife in Atlanta, or uh, when you look at, you know, Love and Hip Hop, uh, what would you say is the true difference between those reality TV shows and the ones that you produce? Um... They got money, <laughs> but the the um their production is amazing. Um, and we, if you just watch No Shade to the Loving Hip Hop or um uh, um Atlanta Housewives, but if you watch these shows and press mute, you can just look to see how much they put into it. I think all the cattiness and the drama really takes away from what people are the visuals of what they're seeing. They're capturing these amazing shots, these amazing angles, especially when they do the time lapse and they show these different these different cities and they're they letting you know and give you the essence of what they're doing and what, what they were trying to portray. That's dissimilar from what I'm what I have done, you know, trying to have people get a feel like they're in New York. You know, we did locations, um, different monuments at Times Square and Harlem. So we made sure we had the same essence that um, these other shows were trying to portray, or not, co- or typically closer to what it, what they did. And so, when it comes down to any particular high executives that you ever come across during your your path, yes, actually, <laughs> let me tell you something. Um, season two, which actually had a meeting with Viacom, BET, and this was at the beginning of. Last year, when I had I uh, put out the trailer, and I was like, and I got a meeting, I got a hey, I got a Viacom meeting, went to the meeting. They loved the trailer. It was just, it, it was just the fact that we were competing with some other show. Um, so what we're doing this time around, we're going to film season three. We're going to do the exact same thing. I'm not giving up. You know, uh, I'm not going to just say, hey, this is a YouTube series because I feel like I'm better. You know, the circle is better than the YouTube series, and it can go farther than that. So basically, yeah, I, I met um, with a uh, executive and they loved it. We went to the last round for us, um, giving them um, the, the meeting with the board. But we didn't have that meeting with the board, so I'm sure we're gonna have it this time around, hopefully. All right, all right. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Congratulations. Well, you definitely see where the fruit of your labor for us. Like I said, for ten years, you now see that hey, this does have a great Impossible. potential yeah. to go further. Now, in that saying, what has Lester Matthews or Nunu, the businessman, learned in this process? Because I'm pretty sure that you have come 
across a lot of expenses. You've come across mm-hmm. a lot of people, know exactly who to count on, who not to count on. What are some of the lessons that you as a businessman have definitely taken away from this entire process? Hmm. I haven't learned anything yet because I haven't really uh, uh, paid a large amount of money for something yet. But I'm, I know my day will come and I'm learning before I get in that situation by listening to mentors and just um, observing other people's failures. <laughs> I'm just really preparing myself for this ugly side of the business. But I'm ready and I'm here for it. And um, I'm sure I probably will be able to at least save as much money as I, as I can, you know, to be able to preserve something else and keep moving forward. So I haven't learned anything yet, but I'm learning from other other people's experiences. Now, with the work that you've done, this is, and by the way, like I said, we talk about uh, Circle NYC. Again, keeping love a secret. I definitely want to find out more information about that. What is that about? Well, <laughs> um, this is my second short film called Keeping Love a Secret. Uh, is a it's a biopic. is is a, a story about my growing up in um in New, in New Orleans, and um and it's giving uh my experience of coming out to my my mother, my stepmother at the time. Um, she passed, and I just wanted to show. I wanted to uh, show a real side of homophobia, and I wanted to show a real side of of, of a deep secret that. No one else knew about me at the is is at the end of the film. It's a twelve minute short film. Um, it's on YouTube. Uh, I uploaded it at the beginning of the year. I wanted to start this year right, and I thought, oh, hey, it's gonna be little ten thousand views and stuff like that. But thank God, it's up to uh, two hundred and ten thousand now. Nice. So nice. that was in January. So I'm kind of like in still on high with that. I'm keep moving forward. I'm about to produce more more content. No, I mean, I guess I should also give the, a little, the audience a little bit of a rundown in terms of Circle NYC. Sometimes when I think of the Circle NYC, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I kind of think of the gay version of the real world. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and definitely, uh, you've kind of put some, some characters in the show. You definitely oh, put yeah. some characters in the show that I kind of just kind of say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Did they really say yeah. that, or did person really do that? Oh, okay, all right. So, one, how do you find the people to be on the show? How do you even come across that? Number one, I I observe a lot. I take notes. I screenshot Instagram profiles okay. <laughs> when I come in the room, and I just take notes. And and when I'm ready to audition or put something together, I just simply act. Um, and then people are willing to, a lot of people in New York is hustle. Yeah. People are willing to showcase their work. People want, want, want to make it, you know, just yeah. like me. So, um, it just actually came, went along with the flow and I, went on flow. And I also recycle. <laughs> I use people from my other shows because they work with me because I worked with them before and I know how they work. Yeah. And it's like a show within the show. I can still have them on the circle and still have them do sex sales. And film sex sales at the same time. It's like a, a, a promo within a promo. But yeah, that's that's how I um, come across these people. And and if I cross them the wrong way, they already know that. Okay, <laughs> well, you have. I'm not, 
I have. Yeah. <laughs> I've crossed people the wrong way. They cussed me out on camera so many times. They already know that I wouldn't take it to heart. Because, you know, at the same time, from all reality shows, they have to come back to do the professionals. <laughs> so, <laughs> they have, that's, I guess that's, that's the most form of acting in any reality show. Of sitting in front of the confessionals and pretending that you're there on camera. Like, for instance, Nene Lee could have a scene cussing somebody out. She still would have to go in her confessional and fake like she was there by saying, today I am here cussing somebody out. Yeah. You understand? So yeah. it's kind of like a form of acting in a confessional and when they have to react in, um, in, in a present tense. Yeah. So, yeah. So I look at these personalities and to put them all in one room and I'm thinking to myself, oh boy, I can see. And, you, and sometimes you kind of see automatically. Well, I see this person. <laughs> think, I see this person be gelling pretty well with this person. I don't know about this person. So, <laughs> so right. is, is that what you really? You also do you really look for that because you can't really find all that out from an Instagram profile. You got to really, I, you know, be in touch with them. You know. Yeah, I, I do my research and I hear things through the grapevine and I put two and two together. And I know which personalities will get along, and I know which personalities won't. Um, but I just let them go along with the flow and let them do it themselves. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't force it. I already know what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I already know y'all not end up, y'all not gonna end up being friends. But I let y'all be fake for a little bit. But as soon as you say something smart, she's gonna touch your ass out. I, I let y'all be fake for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's I like that one. <laughs> now, one show I have not caught on yet to is The Gay Bachelor. How did that come about? Wow. The Gay Bachelor. Uh, it is something that I came up with randomly. It came out the blue. Uh, it is a five-part? Four-part? I don't know. It's a five-part uh, scripted reality series. The Gay Bachelor. I just had this thought. Like, I remember back in the days that MTV tried to do something for The Gay Bachelor, but they had a female on there and she was bisexual. Which is now, Sheila Tequila, something like that. But I just wanted just to, just to play on stereotypes. This wasn't serious. It was a comedy. And I wanted to play on stereotypes. And I, um, I, I, I found this really cool set. And it was like, uh, like you, you on a slope, so you're like Denver, Colorado set. And I looked around and I was like, wow, I could, I could write something. So I went home, smoked a blunt, be honest, smoked a blunt, <laughs> and I started writing. I was like, my crazy high ass came up with a gay bachelor. It <laughs> auditioned and then I made it happen. <laughs> Goes to show, you know, definitely getting getting blunt a little bit does help. All right, <laughs> but you know, I, I like I said, I got to check that out. I have not checked it out, but I definitely got to check that out. Now, Sex Tale has been around for a while, though. How many how many seasons would you say Sex Tale has been around? Oh, uh, two. Okay, we didn't talk to season three, but we did two. We did, we did two. Okay. Okay. And it's exactly what it is, sex tales. You've had a lot of guests appear on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that the whole premise of sex tales is just a man's point of view. That was the whole idea for me. It's just showing a man's point of view on sex. And 
Everyone was like, why don't you do the female on the show? No, this is the men's point of view. Regardless of gay or straight, um, the hosts talk about their sex experiences and laugh from it and maybe learn from one another. Right. Because you can easily put a female in there but she doesn't know how it feels to have a dick. You know, straight people are the most, straight, straight men are the most uninformed about any sexual experiences from gay men, even gay sex. So I wanted to put a man in there so he, he can learn something as well, as far as it, in the audience as well, the female can learn something too. So each week we just, we had different guests come on the show and we have games with them and had topics and we even talked about, uh, we even talked about, uh, um, HIV awareness and, um, how to put on a condom. So we, this expanded more than talking about being raunchy and being nasty. We wanted to educate people as well. So when we had different guests come on, people come on as a celebrity or maybe a, a community, uh, advocate for HIV, you know, we wanted to have different people. You don't have to be a celebrity, but we had Tess Madison, we had, uh, we had, uh, what's your name? Uh, Chrissy, uh, we, we had so many people on there, um, in the past two seasons. And, uh, I'm looking forward to you. Are you coming on? Sex sales? <laughs> <laughs> Woo! I, I don't know. I don't know about that one. I get sweaty thinking about that one. <laughs> uh, but, but you know what? That don't want to be on camera. A lot of people don't want to be on it, but it's good to watch it and, and, and to hear different people on the point of view and laugh as well. That's true. These stories are crazy. Oh, man. Um, you know what? If I, if, if, I, <laughs> if I ever get on, uh, get to New York, you know, I will definitely, uh, I'll, I'll hit you up. I'll say that. <laughs> um, so now with all your shows, all your shows that you put together, you put in the community circle, New York, the circle NYC, uh, keep a love a secret, the gay bashers, sex tales, any other new shows you plan on coming out with? Yeah. Um, I'm doing auditions in two weeks for uh, a web series, a scripted web series. Um, it's, it's called Down for Whatever. Down for Whatever. Um, What's that about? Yeah, it's a it's a group of four guys. Um, one straight, Smokey, and the, um the three others, Andrew and um Tommy and Leroy, and they all meet up um at. Leroy's apartment, and I'm sure we had all those stories when we had a crazy ass weekend. Yes. So this this series is about this one weekend, and it's done in nine episodes. Oh um, wow! Okay. Yeah, yeah. Switch and turns, and um, Smokey got a girl now. It's 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 a great story that anyone can relate to, and um, I went there. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. You know, I went there. I, I did a lot of stuff that uh, a lot of people did too. I want to stand out, you know. I don't make projects just to, you know, put it out there and have fun with it. I really wanted to stand out and make something out of it. Now, is also the are you keeping form to the same style that you normally do your shows, and more like a reality TV style, like? Oh no, this is more like scripted or as Easter Ray. Oh, interesting. Yeah, okay. I'm going in that route for the production and and web series. When you really think about web series and um and reality shows, reality shows is like thirty, thirty five minutes, forty minutes. Web shows 
scripted rough shows to range from 12 minutes to 15 minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. But when you really look at Issa Rae in our episodes, it tells a lot. But it's done in 12 minutes. So people, it touches the hand won't be dead. You right you know, about that. So, yeah, so I made sure that I've done it right there. So many other web series like that. Uh, uh, what is it? Love is First. What is it? Love is First Night from Play TV. Um, so those are the example of how this is going to be formatted. Now, when you start, when you start looking at one, you're right. When you touch on, you know, Issa Rae, who's, who's actually, she's been doing this for quite some time too. And she's actually building yeah. herself up to a very, a very good, you know, quality name that kind of makes me feel proud of her. And you start going down the lane. Sound like to me, you're trying to try things new, trying something new, different, new and different. Um, in terms of for the black LGBT specifically, or do you want to eventually kind of go somewhere else, or you just want to stick to your main core audience? I want to uh, cross over. Um, when I first started uh, the circle, I did it way back, like when I was in Texas. So someone told me this, but I don't got. I, I got to do my fact check. But I'm the first LGBT online reality series, I guess. I don't know. Reality TV. That could be. On terms of reality TV, that could be. Because there are other shows that got, uh, are the other shows online that they say that I inspire. But, um, crossing over as far as moving forward, of course, yeah, I want, I want a new audience. I'm trying to, um, cater to, um, my white gays, even though, you know, some, maybe in some points of Down South anywhere, there's, there's a huge division, um, in the culture of black and white gay men. I want to cross over and and try to be the Todrick Hall of of Ratchet YouTube. <laughs> the Todrick Hall of Ratchet, <laughs> Ratchet YouTube. YouTube. I I've never heard that one before. That's the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but you know yeah, what? I'm, At least I. That was going to be the next question. Like, where do you want to take your where do you want to take your art to? So now the what now I got to ask you why that lane, the Todrick Hall of Ratchet YouTube. Um, because Patrick Hall has, has, has done a phenomenal job of crossing over, you know, um, from, uh, from being publicly of, of, of saying that you know, he loves white gay men, uh, it, it, it's just being himself. I just think that if I use the same terminology as far as, uh, being out there and RuPaul has, has has done it as well. Has done the same thing of crossing over. I want to cross over to uh, to to white people because they pay. <laughs> <laughs> they pay. I'm telling you, they pay. Oh my God! Okay, you know, um, <laughs> I've I've had the the privilege of having some really phenomenal. Uh, people come on the show, and I've had uh, Lamont Pierre, who was mm-hmm. actually known for doing some some great work, uh, especially when it comes to the, the art house that he has over there on YouTube. You can go check that out too. Uh, he has some great production. He's very much known for his cinematography. But he said one particular thing. And I always bring this up, especially somebody who was uh, creating, uh, especially in particular the Black LGBT lane. And he said this one controversial comment that always kind of like, ouch, you know, like, <laughs> when it came down to creativity. 
uh, mm-hmm. in terms of the black LGBT, doesn't really care about the creative aspect, the quality of the aspect, get good quality content as what people say they want. Is that something <laughs> you also believe? God bless Lamont. <laughs> he, he, he's coming from, maybe you can disagree with this, but he's coming from my point of view as well. We're both creators. We both create content. We both focus on production and storyline, but we're totally different. And when you look at other shows out there who sell porn and who, who sell soft porn and want to make money like that, they're, you know, they're doing what gay people like. People like, I guess, gay people like sex and gay people look past that. But there are those minimum or minor people who, number of people who, who do appreciate production and stuff like that. And you just, you just, you, you just don't care anymore because you just worry about the longevity. You know, you just look at the longevity of things. You know, if you put out great content, it will be, it will be there forever, right. you know. But he's right. People, especially in our community, we sex sell, and we would rather—well, I wouldn't, but they would rather watch someone fucking suck instead of talking about issues and and something that can educate people. No, no. So you just gotta. You know. now, now, if I'm gonna wear the crown of Todrick Hall of Ratchet, <laughs> whatever if I wear that crown, isn't that something of a lane that I would eventually go to anyway? No, I don't. Ratchet doesn't pertain to anything of sex. Ratchet has to do with, with, with a personality and being real. Because okay. there are ratchet people out there in the world, but, you know, I'm just representing for everyone, for all the ghetto people. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. But I. But that's only for probably twenty percent of my work. Okay. I'm just saying ratchet because I love saying I love saying that word. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I'm very you know can be very composed and very respectful and very professional. I work with so many people. I really don't. I don't have any bad blood with people. Um, but you know, I, I just think that it just needs to be tamed a little bit because people are watching. And then when you do that, people are going to think that it's all we know and that's all we want. True. And we don't, when people don't want that, people want to, to watch something that they won't, won't want to watch with their family or something that, that families can get, be informed about and be educated about. They're, they're not going to want to watch to do fuck, to be honest. Right. So I think in, in that sense, when me and Lamar create and spend so much time and so much effort. We make sure the audio is good, the lighting is good, everything is good when we do that. Sometimes it could be a little unappreciated, feel a little unappreciated a little bit. And we could look at these other other programs out there who are focusing on sex uh, to get their audience, and maybe we could think it's not fair. Makes sense. That makes sense. So now. Coming to the lessons that you have learned beyond business, just pure of the lessons. What are some of the top three lessons that you can honestly say that walking into this business, you had no clue about, but you definitely can say, 
this is what I hold as priority to make sure is perfect and I'm make sure I'm on top of that. What are some of those lessons would you give to someone walking into your shoes? Okay. Um first lesson is to be more social. You know, I haven't been the most social person out there as far as red carpets and being on if I say I want to cross over, I need to be at those places. I need to be at Glad or other people going up, you need to be at these places if you want to be social and make those connects. That's number one. Number two, I think that it's important for you to at least save money. It is very expensive and you can't just wake up one day and say, I want to make a movie and record from the iPhone. So you really have to really invest in your production because all, all my time, every single person I worked with, I really didn't really pay them much because, the, you know, we work as a team. Yes. But now I'm able to at least invest in my own work. So investment number two is important. And number three, it just really realize if this is really, really what you want to do. Um, and by saying that, you have to put your hard work into it. You know, if you want this to be done, you have to do it yourself. Because it's not going to get done if you don't do it. You know, if you sit around all day, don't do nothing and think about stuff and you had the plan on doing, you putting it off, it's not going to get done. So for me, getting things done is writing. So maybe write. And um, it doesn't matter if your grammar is off, but you got it out on paper and you're making that first step. I agree. I agree. So definitely social and networking. Save and invest in yourself and also realization. It's pretty much exactly. what you I appreciate that. I definitely appreciate that. I think a lot of people, uh, especially looking at your work and see your journey. Again, you're not talking as a newbie. You're talking as a, or a new, new. You're talking as a veteran. Oh, <laughs> you're talking as a veteran of, in this case, YouTube, reality YouTube. Yeah. And this is yeah. something that a lot of people probably, you know, never really you know, looked at it when it comes to stepping into a lane, especially something that's brand new for you. So you've, You've lived in a lot of places. You've lived in New Orleans, oh, yeah. Houston, L.A., New York. What's the next thing? Oh, yeah. Do you plan it? Because, you know, don't get me wrong. I think definitely New York is probably another great place to, to be at. But, you know, hey, Hollywood may call you. You know, what would that be like? Well, I don't mind being bi-coastal. Um, <laughs> for right now, New York is home. I see myself at least saying living here about 35. I'm yeah, 32. Okay. I give it three more years to at least make something happen. Um, but I won't stop fighting until I turn 40. <laughs> yeah, That's when I know, like, hey, if Lee, if you, when you really, really, really think about a Lee Daniels, Tyler Perry, at the beginning and spark up their career, they was in their late 30s. They was in their early 40s. You know? Wow. They, they, they was up there. So it just shows how you shouldn't give up. You know? I um, never the yeah, the Medea plays have been going independently for a long time. And you remember, Tyler Perry turned down a deal with NBC because they tried to change Medea. True. So he ended up going with own. So that's why you have to be persistent. Um, you got to be on it. You got to really, really take those three steps I tell you and, and make it um, your own and really realize what you're going to do. Wow. But, oh, yeah. I, if I keep going, I, I don't know. It is what it is. If I make it, I don't. I'm just trying to provide for my family. 
actually trying to um, show my art. And, and how's that been um, financially? Has it been, been more rewarding for you in this process? Recently, yes, but the most work I receive is more internal work for corporations. I do videography for a lot of businesses in New York that use the videography and the work I do for them in turn and use for human resources and um and a way for them to get revenue and sponsorship to their to their to their company. So I get work like that. Um but it's been going for for as that, but for as um provided for my family I haven't really came to that level yet. I haven't want to, but I'm sure, you know, one day we'll see. <laughs> Listen, passion is one of those things you cannot put a dollar sign on. So if you can be able to let the passion continue to roll through, it's going to come. It's going to come. It never ceases to be yeah. that passion. Well, let me tell you something. I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to come out and talk to me on the, on the Brothers Be Podcast. I definitely want to make sure people definitely know about where they can tune in to find out all about all your shows, The Circle NYC, uh, Keep It Love a Secret, The Gay Bachelor, Sex Tales, uh, The Commute, all of your shows. And anything yeah. that you want to let me know about, letting other people know about, I'm more than happy to do it. Yes, I have so many content. Last summer, I just was writing, and I have all these, these ideas and scripts that I'm about to produce really soon. So if you really want more information about me, you can visit YBNEntertainment.com. There will be a website uh, for the next month, but it will slowly convert to a on-demand website. It's called YBN Entertainment On Demand. It will basically is a subscription website I have to support me and my uh, and my productions. Um, to be able to uh, look at short films and be able to look at all the content I have uh, on demand. Um, to check out my work and um, um and um uh what. Uh, what is it called? <laughs> My movie. Oh, I got so many projects. Uh, down for whatever. That's it. Down for whatever. Should, <laughs> should be coming really soon. I'm I'm excited for that. And also my first uh straight short film. Um, what's next? That's what it's called. Ah. It's about a it's about a girl who goes through a breakup in the next step in the next steps of her life. You so know, that's coming soon. I gotta I gotta ask you before before you stop at the hour here. I want to ask you in regards to the subscription business. Have you been mm-hmm. finding that a lot of people who do produce their own content have been finding that the subscription lane has been rewarding for them or not? Yeah, it's been very beneficial to my colleague who, who's been telling me on it and I'm on it. It gives the opportunity for us to really be more closer to our, our viewers and to let them know okay, he supports me every month and is you know I'm I'm going to do it for for him and I'm going to do it for myself. It, it keeps it motivated, but it has been very beneficial to to people who I've talked to. Yeah. Now you haven't reached out to Mona Scott yet. <laughs> I you know what I emailed. I've, I've done a lot. I emailed. I went on YouTube and just Google email. <laughs> email them. I've, I've been that's how I got to meet you with with um with Viacom. Okay. I emailed um, Mona. You know. Emailed them the trailer, and I got to keep keep it going, you know. Mona hasn't um, reached Mona. out yet. Mona got to be a part of this. Come on now. She... <laughs> well, me... I'm... Season three is going on now. When I'm done with the trailer, I will hit her back up again. <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is already filmed. We got everything together. Hurry, I do. So put your name on it. And let's 
I mean, let, I mean, let's keep it real. They already got a couple of us already on the show. I don't know. Right. I don't, right. If you want to scrap season three, we can do something else with all stars of the games of all your reality shows. And I know all of them. Oh, my. I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you do. I've, I've just recently met. Actually, you know, I can't lie. I've actually met Damon uh, from the show. And uh, also uh, Jules from the show of the Circle mm-hmm. NYC over at Dur- <clears throat> Sizzle, but I saw them during that you know in a club session. I definitely. Oh, David. Yeah, I, I remember meeting them last oh. year. I believe yeah. meeting them last year, and then uh, not that long ago, I uh, met, re- met recently um, Bobby oh, Lights. Okay. There you go. So I recently I recently met Bobby Lights over down here in the Wolf Manor's territory not that long ago. He's so. been cool. Uh, you know, so I definitely uh, see Kenny also kind of come on the show, see Kenny uh, talk a little bit. So, you know, definitely one thing's for sure. The good part about LGBT is definitely being seen, um, is definitely mm-hmm. being out there a little bit more, even for a broader audience. Hopefully not just to be ratchet, which is something of a concern, a little bit of a concern mm-hmm. in terms of that lane. But then again, <laughs> black women. <laughs> black women and gay men seem to be going down that lane a little bit so it's like it kind of turn sometimes you want know, to twist and turn a little bit towards another <laughs> angle but reality is that's just a show it brings in ratings and brings in people so regardless of how it turns out good luck to you more continued success for your way thank you so much thank for you. coming on the show and I'm pretty sure that everyone I'm going to make sure everyone knows all the information where to get in contact with you all your social media information and I'll make sure I post that for the podcast as well thank you well, I, well thank you so much for having me I really appreciate it thank you so much Nunu real name Lester Matthews thank you yes. alright this is Chris coming from the Public G Podcast signing off have a wonderful day I'm rolling with the LGBT I'm rolling with the LGBT. I'm rolling with the LGBT.